0: I'm Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. This town is covered with vintage and thrift stores, from the Goodwill out in Cockrell Bend to Music City Vintage in East. I mean, drive down Gallatin and you can hardly go a few blocks without stumbling across a secondhand shop. But thrifting isn't what it used to be, and vintage is really changing the game. When an authentic Scooby-Doo t-shirt costs $40, it raises the question, who can afford to thrift these days anyway? The idea of thrift shopping was all about finding good quality merchandise for not much cash. Now, a hot vintage resale market has pushed prices up. But is it sustainable? And how do people who rely on thrift stores acquire the things they need? Later this hour, in honor of National Thrifting Day, we are re-airing our March episode on thrift and vintage shopping. But first, for many, owning a home is a major milestone. It can mean years of saving and planning have finally paid off when someone gets to hold those keys and open the door to their own house for the first time. But while the search for a new home has stopped, the responsibilities and unexpected costs of homeownership have just begun. And even though the housing market in Nashville is cooling off a little bit, it can be difficult for existing homeowners to keep their homes. But there is help out there for people trying to hold on to their house. WPLN Morning Editor Latanya Turner has been rounding up resources, and she joins me now. Latanya, this is your this is Nashville debut. Welcome.
1: Thank you. That makes it sound so special. Oh, <laughs> but I'm is. thrilled to be here. It
0: is so <laughs> special to have you with us. So you know, WPLN News has been developing ongoing coverage on housing with stories on renting and affordable housing. But you focused on home ownership. Why?
1: Well, I've been a homeowner for many years, and um, I think that it is clear, especially since in the last few years um, after COVID or during COVID, that people who own homes already have their own struggles with keeping them, and especially in a market where there is high growth and redevelopment and people may be threatened or feeling pushed out um, of their neighborhoods because of things going on around them. And so what I am aware of is that there are folks who really struggle to maintain their homes in the face of rapid growth and redevelopment. And if you uh, are aware of some of the circumstances that happened after the March 2020 tornado, um, which Mm -hmm. hit some areas, including North Nashville, very hard, Mm -hmm. um, as well as people who struggled economically during COVID, there was a big outcry to help people stay in their homes because many were not sure what they could do or how to do that.
0: Well, what are some of the costs of home ownership that people don't really consider when they're looking to buy a home?
1: Well, the experts I talk to call this the cost burden of owning a home. And it's things like you got to have insurance, Mm -hmm. homeowner's insurance, or you should have homeowner's (laughs) insurance. You have to pay property taxes. There will be maintenance, but there will also be those emergency repairs. And I'm aware of people who have bought a new home, did the inspection, had everything in place, got ready to get their insurance. And the home insurance said, oh, you've got to first put on a new roof Mm. or, you know, fix those gutters or whatever. So those are the kinds of things that a lot of people don't think about because they put so much emphasis in getting that down payment, which many people struggle and save for years to do.
0: So you set out to discover programs that offer aid to homeowners. What did you find?
1: Um, Well, there is um, assistance for people who are trying to buy homes, new homeowners, first-time homeowners especially. But there are also many programs for people who are existing homeowners who run into some of these challenges that we're talking about. The go-to agency in this state is the Tennessee Housing Development Agency. It is a state agency that was set up by the legislature several decades ago to help with housing financing, to help um, establish affordable housing, and to help preserve and maintain homes that already exist. Um, it has a big budget, and it helps probably thirteen, fourteen hundred 1,400 people a year in 2022, um, just last month, almost 200 people benefited from the mortgage um, uh, services that they have. Um, but they offer many different programs that can help people from low-income to middle-income.
0: Okay. Now, what are some of the qualification requirements for the THDA Mortgage Relief Program?
1: Um, well, in Davidson County, um, for more, for well, let me just back up and say, if you're buying a home, you can get assistance in Davidson County if you're a first-time buyer. Okay. Outside of Davidson County, even people who are not, who are repeat buyers, can get some help. As far as mortgage um, um, assistance, there, um, you have to be in your home. You have to have an existing home. There are some income requirements, and these are for people who are struggling in their homes. There mm-hmm. are some income requirements. If you're trying to buy a home, there are some credit score requirements as well as income requirements. Mm-hmm. What I learned is that there is a surprisingly broad range of income uh, requirements that are um, can be assisted by these programs. So a household could be making up to $132,000 in Davidson County and still get assistance with a down payment, um, assistance with um, the mortgage payments. Um, and, And THDA works with lenders, established lenders through its Great Choices program to help people who meet those qualifications get some assistance. You have to just mention it to your if you're already working with a mortgage lender mention to them can i get some assistance through thda for this loan um, they have also gotten an influx of money because of the federal stimulus that was um, uh, awarded to many states um, during the pandemic so there is money available to people and many people people may not realize that they have that option.
0: I'm sure people will be surprised that they do qualify (laughs) Mm -hmm. for that type of help. You mentioned it before, one of the big costs that come to mind is property tax. What type of relief is out there for people who might be struggling to cover this cost?
1: Um, In Tennessee, there is something called Property Tax Relief Program. You can have your property uh, taxes discounted, maybe even canceled if you qualify. People over 65 who are homeowners or property owners can qualify. People who are disabled and people who are low income. Um, That program is um, the information is available through the state um, agency and through uh, you can find out more from your community action agency about that program and others to help you. But that is an option for people.
0: Now, are there specific challenges that homeowners are facing in areas that are seeing rapid development?
1: Yes. The the challenges often start with what we just talked about, mm-hmm. property tax increases. When, when areas are experiencing high growth and redevelopment, oftentimes that leads to higher property taxes. People who have lived in those areas for a long time before the growth and, and development may not be used to or able to manage those increasing property taxes. So that's one struggle that often happens. There can also be struggles with codes because when development happens, a lot of times new developers, new homeowners come in and they have certain visions for their community and may not be taking into account the pre-existing Mm Residents and character of that community. And so we've even done stories here on This is Nashville about uh, codes being weaponized in situations like that. So suddenly you've been somewhere 20 years and you're getting notices from codes that you got to repair your door or your fence or whatever. So those are the kinds of things.
0: Okay. Now, as with any issue, information is key when it comes to finding a solution. How can new homeowners or folks on the housing market, how can they educate themselves on what resources are available to them?
1: There are surprisingly uh, many options for free Education about home buying.
0: I like how you highlighted free there.
1: Yes, <laughs> free. Um, HUD has, um, H- Housing and Urban Development has approved agencies that c- can provide counseling to anyone who wants to learn more about the home buying process. Or if you get in trouble with your home, they also have counselors who can help you figure out the financials or how to get back on track with your payment. They can help you work with your mortgage servicer to do that. Um, And and FYI, people need to know if you get in trouble with your mortgage payments, your lender has to, under law, offer you options to get back on track before they start foreclosure proceedings. Hmm. So don't ignore it if you get into trouble. One other thing I will say about that is studies have been done. Vanderbilt did a study about the impact of home buyer education classes and found that those people who complete the classes are 40% less likely to run into financial problems after they buy the home. So it makes a difference.
0: Okay. What other agencies or organizations outside the THDA are offering help?
1: The best resource is your Community Action Agency. There are many of them throughout the the state. So find out in your local area where where that agency is. Go to their website. They offer a number of resources. There's also something called the Tennessee Development Districts in other parts of the state, throughout the state, that um, offer uh, services and and resources related to this, if and those all have income requirements um, or age requirements. If you don't fit into that category, there are mortgage companies that will offer some assistance, um, especially after the impact of COVID nineteen on pocketbooks.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned that before. So it's mm-hmm. highly important and imperative even mm-hmm. if you're experiencing trouble or foresee yourself in trouble, contact your mortgage lender and let them know what you're going through.
1: Absolutely. And there's a program that they will probably refer you to, which ironically is called Know Your Options. Mm-hmm. That is the program. So yes. ask about that.
0: Okay. Now, um, what, you know, what else are you going to keep your eye out for as you look deeper into homeownership here in Tennessee?
1: I would like to know what the next generation of um, homeowners uh, or residents are thinking about homeownership. There is some indication that maybe millennials and younger generations are not as attuned to getting that American dream, quote unquote, that Hmm. we um, strived for. And some of it may be because it's not as accessible due to rising costs and interest rates. But there also may be a sense of, you know, I'm going to move around or I don't want that cost burden of homeownership that we talked about. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to mow the yard. (laughs) I don't want to fix the door. Um, So I'd like to do some exploration there. And I'm always interested in the impact of redevelopment and gentrification on homeowners. And I hope that we can explore that more and look at solutions and ways that those are being dealt with.
0: That was WPLN Morning Editor Latanya Turner. You can find her story and more of WPLN's housing coverage at WPLN.org. Latanya, thanks so much for being
1: with us You're today. You're welcome. Glad to be here.
0: We have to take a short break. When we come back, we sift through the popular thrifting and vintage cultures here in Nashville. Is there enough closet space for both to thrive? We'll be right back. This is Nashville I'm Khalil e. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Goodwill. The Salvation Army and mom-and-pop secondhand shops are great places to score some cool, and this is important, cheap threads. Sometimes that old button-down one person was totally done with is a perfect work uniform for another. Maybe it's a funky 80s sweater or a pair of jeans that seem barely worn. There are even designer clothes buried deep in the racks sometimes. Thrifting for a bargain or scoring a vintage find is a lifestyle for some of us, for others, it's a necessity. Today's show is all about the Nashville thrift and vintage scene. Let's first talk about thrifting, something my next guests know a lot about. Joining me now are Aaron Gabriel, social and digital media manager at Goodwill of Middle Tennessee, and local thrifter and reseller Anita Smith. Welcome both of you to This Is Nashville. Anita, let's start with you. How long have you been thrifting? How did you first get into it?
2: Um, There was a need. I had uh, two younger kids, when I was uh, right at 20, 21 years old. And I saw that I enjoyed um, from previous years thrifting. My family enjoyed going to the Goodwills back in the day. And I carried that and continued to thrift and uh, decorate my places that I lived. And I saw people making money and uh, so this started when I was like 20, 21 years old, and I still continue today.
0: Now, it sounds like thrifting was a necessity, all right? It was
2: a necessity. It's getting quality stuff, the best for the buck, and uh, somebody else's trash is somebody else's treasures. I know this may sound a little harsh, but uh, there are so many diamonds in the rough uh, at thrift, uh, thrift stores, and uh, flea markets, and as I said, I continue to do it today.
0: Now, I know what you mean, because I just recently moved here and furnished my apartment, and I got a really awesome chair from the Habitat for Humanity store that I don't know how I would have found it any other way. So, Aaron, let me ask you, did you grow up thrifting as well?
3: I did. You know, my mom is has always loved to deal. She's always loved thrifting. I'm also the youngest of three children, so you get lots of secondhand clothes when you're <laughs> growing mm-hmm. up like that. Mm-hmm. So um, it's always been a part of my life too. I mean, even fresh out of college, I'm making $25,000 a year, just trying to pay off student loans, get started in my new job. I furnished my whole apartment with things from Goodwill um, and and resale stores. And, and it's it's a really great way, like Anita said, to get the most bang for your buck.
0: I want to ask you both, does thrifting and finding deals, does that become addictive? Anita?
2: Oh, yeah, you're asking the right person right now <laughs> it It is so addictive um but uh, I'm trying to have some balance as I am uh approaching fifty eight years old. I'm trying to get it together uh because I did become a hoarder, mm. and I don't mind telling uh your audience uh you have to really be careful about it because. You'll find yourself getting things that that you don't need, and they're just overlap and overlap and overtake your whole um, residential area. You'll find yourself uh, getting storage units. Store people get storage units all the time, of the hope of reselling. And I've been there, done that. Aaron, can you relate?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely agree. It can be addicting. Um, you find those little treasures throughout a thrift store, and and we call them Easter eggs. Even it's you know you can find a really great designer piece or something new with tags, and it it is the thrill of the hunt for myself for so many of our customers. Um, so it, it is a ton of fun. It, but I agree, Anita. It can definitely be a slippery slope. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, Aaron, you talked about the thrill of the hunt. Is that the thing you love? I mean, what is it about the thrifting lifestyle that just has you so steeped deeply in it?
3: For me, it is the thrill of the hunt. It's also, um, when I think about Goodwill specifically, the amount of good that we do in the community, helping people find jobs. and And we're talking about folks who have barriers to employment. So disabilities, Maybe they were previously incarcerated, um, struggling with addiction, or maybe they're just, you know, at a dead end with their career and they want to make a fresh start. Um, to me, knowing that my money is going to fuel something like that really means a lot. Um, but then at the same time, there is that thrill of the hunt. I love um, just taking a Saturday going and sifting through different things. You just you truly never know what you're going to find. Um, and you're giving those items a second life, so it's also very sustainable
0: now, Anita, you use your thrifting skills to help others. talk I'd, to talk yes. to me about that.
2: yes. Um, th- as a part of ministry, um, I realized that uh, this is th- the type of finds that I would find. I would find the pretty trees that go into your home. Uh, artwork that goes on the wall, drapes and linen. And, and that was, people would always compliment my home. And, you know, I I wanted to share that. And so uh, I've decorated many people's homes um, before. Um, I've opened up Several stores, and two of which were thrift stores in the Nashville area. You was talking earlier about Gallatin Road. Uh, one of my stores um, was called um, Pass It On Variety and Thrift Store. Long before they was pinning Pass It On, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so and one of the concepts of that is to pass something along to somebody else. is it's just a ministry within itself. And so, yeah, I just, um, you know, I hope I answered that question pretty good. Yeah, you did.
0: But I want to know, like, did someone ever come to you and say, Anita, your house is so beautiful. Help me make my place look good. What did you do? What are your secrets? Do people come to you often as that resource?
2: Well, not anymore, because um, I am uh, fighting this hoarding condition. Uh, I took sick some years ago and got out of the business of actually having a shop. And so I found myself with just overlapping so much stuff. And so I started donating. Um, So I give to local charities. I give to the mission. Uh, Sometimes I'll just pull up on the side of the road and uh, go uh, where ladies that are homeless, I just give, just give, give, give. But yeah, uh, they used to ask me a lot uh, to come and help them, but um, some things have hindered me. But I'm still in the business, and I'm still in the business of helping. Helping people as much as I can.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you. If you're just joining us, I'm Khalil Ekelona, and this is Nashville. We are diving into the world of thrifting and vintage with people who know exactly how to find some great deals. So, Aaron, you are social media and digital media manager at Goodwill, which means you interact daily with dozens of people online, style influencers and bloggers. What has this taught you about the local thrifting culture?
3: Uh, you're absolutely correct. We have an amazing community of thrifters here in Nashville. It's it's truly awesome to see. Um, and, and really, they use their social media platforms specifically for sharing their finds, how they're styling them. So this could be fashion or home decor. Um, but we also have folks who are resellers, and they're sharing those Easter eggs that they find. Like I mentioned, um, so this could be everything from like a new with tag Lily Pulitzer dress to an awesome patio set, and and just seeing them so excited to share these finds and say, I only spent. $20 on all of this. It really has helped that community to grow. And even to the point where a lot of these folks are friends online and offline, they thrift together. They, you know, go to their favorite stores together. They share their thrifting tips. And it's, it's very cool to see, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to have such a supportive community here in Middle Tennessee.
0: We're gonna dig into this a little bit more later in the show, but how many of these people who have these Easter eggs you're mentioning, how many of them are vintage resellers?
3: I would say we have a a large majority of these folks that are resellers. Um, And I will also tell you during the pandemic, we saw a definite uptick in reselling. If you think about Nashville specifically, we are so ingrained in the music community, the entertainment community, the hospitality community. A lot of those folks had job insecurity um, or they were out of jobs, unfortunately. And so they started reselling as a means of extra income and it can be a very lucrative way to make a living um, if you have the time and the you know the resources to dedicate to it so i would say a lot of those vintage um, seekers that come into our stores um, either they just want a really cool piece to add to their wardrobe or they are a reseller or sometimes a combination
0: so you know if people are buying from goodwill and they're flipping it, why doesn't Goodwill try to get that money?
3: Um, you know, to us, we have, again, such a fortunate position of having so many folks donating to us on a daily basis. We have donation sites all over Middle Tennessee. Um, again, a huge uptick in donations during the pandemic because people were stuck in their houses, they were cleaning out drawers, closets. Um, so they were bringing us those items. and our biggest mission here is to be the best stewards of those items that are entrusted to us. Um, The sales of those items are then fueling our nonprofit mission. We're helping provide free job training and placement programs to people in need. So it's truly um, like a nice little ecosystem that we've built where we can help People, you know, declutter their homes and have a sustainable outlet to get rid of items they no longer want or need. And at the same time, we're helping people find confidence and purpose through meaningful employment. So it, it's really a beautiful thing.
0: Now, the environmental impact of thrifting, the carbon footprint of the fashion and clothing industries, very, very large. So Anita, talk to me about how that influences you.
2: The fat with the fashion industry. Mm-hmm um i used to be one of the sharpest dressed women in church um business attire and i just uh, in 2009 i was homeless in the streets of nashville and uh, going through a domestic violence situation and uh, housed at a local shelter and reduced to two bags of clothing that you could get in a kroger bag And I realized then, more than ever, I said, hey, I don't need a lot of uh, of stuff. And what I need when I started uh, regaining my wardrobe and buying again was nothing but the Goodwill. I refused to hardly go into any retail store, Um, the Goodwill, the flea market. You can find everything you need and more. And for uh, um." A nominal uh, price that that you could save. So if you can save and cut your price um, that you buy something for 70%, that 70% can go towards something else. And as we see what COVID has done uh, for the world, I think this is a a good time to get thrifty if you're not thrifty.
0: Talk to me about that, Aaron. You know, here, and Anita just mentioned that through the situation in life, she decided to strictly, strictly from here on out, strictly. if I'm right, you're, you're just buying thrift, thrift stuff.
2: Yes.
0: You know, and how that impacts this, the fashion industry. So many clothes are produced and purchased. You can go to shopping malls and we see constant, constant season changing in clothes. What is the impact of thrifting on our global climate? Uh, the The
3: impact can be monumental quite frankly fast fashion is so 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 bad for our environment Um, more and more people are kind of awakening up to that fact and totally shifting how they shop so seeking out secondhand items first before going to a big box retail store or a mall or even shopping online, um, you know, the amount of water that's saved, the amount of, of pollution that is saved, it's, it's truly, um, it, it's kind of overwhelming when you really dig into more of the numbers. And I mean, I know last year alone, Goodwill diverted 25 million pounds of useful items from a landfill. And that was just in Middle Tennessee, just in the 48 counties that we serve. Wow. So think about how there are Goodwills and other thrift stores and people reselling all over the country. Um, you know, it, it is definitely on the rise, but if more people did it, that, that impact to the environment um, and, and kind of cleaning up our act would be much greater.
0: I want to come back to affordability. You know, we were talking about that a little bit earlier. Anita, you thrifted out of necessity, but from your perspective, is secondhand affordable in Nashville these days?
2: Oh, we. Now, uh, Aaron, hi. Uh, I worked for the Goodwill uh, at one point in life, and there were things in there that I couldn't afford, not to uh, cast a shadow on that, but when you're talking about it versus retail and secondhand is still a good price, but it's some things are just not affordable even to people that are dealing with some poverty issues because jeans are $24 and some, not not the Goodwill. I hadn't ran into that issue, but some other uh, thrifty stores that I won't mention the name, uh, 24 and $35 and what have you. People that want nice quality stuff can you know if they're on a budget they're on a budget they have x amount of dollars and to go into the store they still have to pick and choose and that. but the one of the greatest things about most of the thrift stores uh in and around Nashville is they have uh, special days they have senior day they have teacher day they have blue tag day yellow tag day and so you just have to you know budget and go in there and you're gonna find something it may not be what you want but you'll find what you need
0: Aaron do you think I'd like for you to respond to that do you think that it's affordable or even more difficult for people
3: I think to Anita's point, um, there are so many opportunities to save on prices that are already low in a thrift store. Uh, Like she mentioned, and Goodwill's included in this, we offer 50% off every single day of the week when you shop our color tag of the week. And so that changes. It's on a constant rotation. It changes every Sunday. We announce those colors um, on our website, on social media. Again, that's another like thrill of the hunt, uh, Easter egg component because people get so excited to find those color tags, and then even on Sundays we offer ninety nine cent items, so you can you can really save a lot of money um, if if you are smart about it, if you take the time to really go into a thrift store and look. But, you know, our retail associates are working really hard to make sure that all of our items are priced in a way that is a consistently great deal for our customers, because that's really what we want to provide. We want to be attainable. We want to be very affordable. We want them to find awesome deals on things that they want or need Um, at the same time, maximizing, like I said, the return on those items that are Entrusted to us and making sure we can keep fueling our nonprofit mission. Um, so it's definitely a balancing act, but we work really hard to be very affordable for
2: the masses.
0: We're about to take a quick break, but I want to ask you both Is there a sense of community among thrifters? Anita. Oh.
2: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's a meet and greet place uh, in a lot of places uh, that people regularly come out and they shop. There are some people that shop every day. The stores are open hmm. and they know the kids. They bring their families in. Uh, they share the great finds that they uh, have found. Uh, I'm sporting a red purse today that i got at the goodwill i think i got it for like three bucks and i'm like okay you know that's my pretty red purse and so yeah that it there is community and and people people generally care uh it's, it's something about it it's almost like a family structure even when i worked at the goodwill it was uh just a family structure so people care people care aaron
3: I agree with you completely, Anita. We have customers who are regulars. They come in multiple times a week, whether or not they're resellers. Um, They just, they have their favorite stores and they know our employees. We know them. We know their kids. Like we see their Mm -hmm. kids grow up. It's really a beautiful thing. Um, And then you add into that aspect of like the fashion lovers and, and people just really wanting to show off their Goodwill finds and see what, what, Cool tips and tricks they can share for thrifting. Uh, there is a definite community there, and it's very, very cool to watch.
0: That is Aaron Gabriel with Goodwill Middle Tennessee. Aaron, thank you for joining us. Master Thrifter Anita Smith is going to stick with us through the break. When we come back, we'll turn to the growing world of vintage clothing and meet a few local shop owners. We'll be right back. This is Nashville. Khalil Colona and this is Nashville. If thrifting were a sport, it might look something like what goes down at the Goodwill Outlet in Cockrell Bend. Thrifters will spend hours there, waiting for fresh boxes to hit the floor. And when they do, it's a mad rush to grab the good stuff. It's a busy Thursday afternoon at the Goodwill in Cockrell Bend.
4: So right now, we got people ripping and roaring through boxes of clothes.
0: That's Matthew Burdine. He goes by Breezy. He comes here multiple times a week to wait for fresh boxes of goods to hit the floor.
4: I wish they had like a hot and ready sign, you know, out front, like Krispy Kreme does, because then you could just drive by the highway and be like, oh, cool, they're gonna put some fresh stuff out. Awesome, I'll roll in sometimes you can be sitting here for a few hours and you know it's nothing like i said it's like fishing some days you catch something some days you don't
0: as it is he often spends hours waiting for the next rotation and sifting through the boxes but it's paid by the pound so it's worth it breezy is a reseller
4: some people are looking for name brand stuff some people are looking for the vintage stuff um, we've got a few entrepreneurs in here uh they do their thing and you know They're just going to town. They're just, you know, you try to be cordial to the person next to you, but also like, it's kind of like the jungle where you kind of have to like stand your ground in some ways, you know? Sometimes people get a little too, too overwhelmed. Sometimes people get a little too aggressive and you gotta kind of let them know like, hey, back up, you know, you're invading my space, so.
0: On the whole, Breezy says there's a real sense of community here between the resellers like himself and the Goodwill employees.
4: I mean, you're seeing these people every day. I like to think, like, you know, with the people that actually work here and get paid by the Goodwill to work here, like, they're no different than the people that are coming in here and trying to work and build a business. You know, I see everybody as co workers. So it's like, you know, you put out a little bit of kindness, sometimes you get some back, you know. It's just like, try to make it work for everybody, try to help out where you can, and try to be kind and
0: hope for the best. Try to be kind and hope for the best. Man. That's something we could all live by. So this kind of thrifting is pretty common among resellers like Breezy. While thrifting is thought to be accessible to everyone, vintage clothing has become a lot more expensive and exclusive. Let's dig in a bit more now into the business of reselling and how our local vintage sellers are scoring those rare finds. Joining me are Tammy Pope of Live True Vintage in Old Hickory and Justin Allman from Music City Vintage in East Nashville. I'd like to welcome you both to the show. And I want to start with what we just heard, resellers hitting the bins at Goodwill. Tammy, does that bring back memories?
5: Uh, Yes, to about Monday of last week. (laughs) (laughs) I actually know Breezy. I was surprised to hear him on here. Um, I'm kind of a regular out there when I can. I love to pick. So um, the bins are just a natural time killer. (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
0: Justin, what about you?
5: Yes,
6: absolutely. Um, that's where we started out um, during our business, uh, kind of just collecting as a whole. Um, we know Breezy as well. So it is funny that we said it. But um, yeah, that's
0: where we started as well. Dare I say that Breezy is the most popular thrifter <laughs> in Nashville, possibly. Now, uh, Anita Smith is still with us. As we were listening to Breezy, I saw you nodding your head when he was talking about the bins. So has it ever become hectic? Uncomfortable when a lot of people are hitting the bins when that hot and ready sign is up.
2: Yes, yes, yes. I was shaking my head because I could picture that being in the midst of all the chaos. Um, usually, on a typical day, it goes well, but there are rules to it. You can't, start looking until they say start looking, and you got people that want to peek and stick their hand in the bins, but they usually have law and order there, but uh, it, it can get hectic because there's some great finds in those bins. I mean, you never know what you're going to find. I mean, it it, it is the Easter Egg Hunt, as the previous uh, inter- uh, person that you interviewed uh, uh, with Goodwill said. It is It is a find. So there's
0: no elbows flying.
2: I have seen altercation. <laughs> really? I have seen witness altercation over having a, a shopping cart because they're, one of the things that a lot of times they run out of is shopping carts because they fill those shopping carts with what they pull out of the bin. Okay. So if, one shopping cart from one customer may have 60 pair of shoes in it. Well, they need another shopping cart and another shopping cart, so they even have their children hold on to the shopping carts. Wow. So but if you go in there, you need a shopping cart, it could get crazy. Okay. Yeah, but they, they usually hold it down. The the Goodwill employees hold it down.
0: <laughs> now, Tammy, I hear you laughing. Have you seen that too?
2: <laughs> oh yeah.
5: I've probably been on both ends of that. It it's wild <laughs> out there. Um I think of myself as more the catfish type, though I like to just let it all die down and see what's left
0: okay okay now what was it what was the vintage market like when you got started?
5: Um, it was probably about ten years ago, so it's changed quite a bit um the uh, demand for different products that's one you know things that were a uh, thing ten years ago Vin- I think vintage is a relative term it means different things to different age groups and so things that weren't necessarily selling 10 years ago are super hot right now. Mm. Um, Prices, of course, you know, with the popularity, the internet, Poshmark, Depop, things like that. And as the current uh, uh, guest was saying, with the, um, you know, COVID and everything, uh, there was a need for a lot of people to supplement their income. So uh, the rising cost of sourcing, the demand for, you know, product, it's it's all factors.
0: Now, was opening up your shop, Live True Vintage, was that difficult?
5: It was an accident, to tell you the truth. Really? (laughs) I quit a job. I'd been at a job for 17 years, and it was just soul-sucking. And I figured if I was miserable, I could be miserable anywhere. And if I was working-class poor, I couldn't do much worse if I, (laughs) you know, just selling what I could. And so um, I actually started uh, with a little bus that I rat-rotted. Um, At the flea market, the National Flea Market, when there was probably only a handful of dealers out there then, maybe five to ten of us. Um, That's changed, obviously. Go out there now, and there's so much great vintage. Um, So, yeah, it's changed a lot in just the short time that I've been doing it.
0: That's why I like to call a happy accident. Now, Justin, what inspired you to open up a vintage clothing store?
6: Uh, basically from a long time of collecting. Um, we started at the same time uh, about 10 years ago, just collecting hats and apparel. Um, so eventually we hit the point where uh, we just had way too much stuff in our one bedroom uh, house. <laughs> uh, so we basically started selling of flea markets and things of that nature and just kind of grew the business uh, slowly but surely um, and just acquired more and more vintage and we're lucky enough to open up a storefront. So it was a long time passion of collecting, um, and it just turned into a business.
0: Tell us more about Music City Vintage.
6: So think of us like the pawn shop of vintage apparel and shoes. So basically we do buy, sell, and trade. Um, so people bring us gear. Um, many of the people who go to the Blue, uh, blue Benz, um shop with us and sell to us. Um, but we sell anything from 80s to 90s apparel um, along, along with shoes as well.
0: Now I want to. I have a question. I want to know why the prices at some vintage shops are so high. I mean, and who is excluded from the game with these exorbitant prices? Can you talk to that a little bit, Justin?
6: So with everything, right, with vintage and with this experience that we've had, you never know what you'll find. Um, there's so many things that come into the store every day that you've never, that I've never seen before. Um, so that, with that, adds a little bit of exclusivity in these one-of-one products, where um, some pieces might have a higher price point than others. Um, but it all depends on the community and, and your market. Um, something that sells here for two hundred dollars may sell for five hundred dollars in Atlanta. Um, it just depends on what's the market and the community
0: aspect of it. I mean, wow, two hundred dollars is a lot to me, but people have called me cheap before. Now. Do you feel like there's a tension between the vintage world and the thrifting world, Anita?
2: I, I do think there's a little tension um, because people that are out to find great vintage stuff, uh, a lot of times they have their mind made up. That you can't sell them a cup and a saucer. Uh, they're not looking for purses. They open up the purses. Uh, let me retract that. They open up the purses. They looking at labels. They looking at labels on the jeans and the coats and what have you. And uh, so they, they there's a uh, market that they're strategically looking for uh, versus uh, just regular flea marketing and and uh, Salvation Armies and Goodwills. Um, it's a whole different class of people. Tammy, have you seen that tension?
5: Um, I hear people complain about different things, but to be honest, I try to just run my own race. Um, I'm in a unique position uh, where it's just a family-run business, so I source myself, you know, take care of the shop myself. I don't have that markup of employees. I'm able to offer things a little bit differently. Um, You know, what somebody else does with their business and why they're doing it and how they source and what they've had to pay for that, I just figure – you know, I know what I would and wouldn't pay, um, but there are different markets, and um, you know, customers that uh, are looking for different. Some people don't care what they pay; <laughs> they just want to walk in, find a bad a- beep shirt, you know, and drop a card, and it's not important to them. And others, you know, they want something nice, and they can't drop two hundred bucks. You know, it's a card note for some people, so. You know, it's, uh, there's a significant difference in price um, between a lot of the shops, but I don't think it's really, for me, I, I try not to really care what anybody else is up to.
0: With their place. I'm Khalil Colonna and this is Nashville. This hour is all about the thrift and vintage scene in town. We're visiting now with a few local shop owners. Mark Davis is another reseller we met at Goodwill in Cockville Bend. He started reselling when his construction work started slowing down to supplement his income.
4: And I, and I do it, like I said, after from, from 12 to one. If I was here and did it, and I still I have another uh, project management on, um, remote job too. So I do that. But if I were to do this nine to five, and it, we watch videos. He sent me videos all the time of people making $100,000 doing this stuff. You know what I mean? So, but like I said, it is a hustle. It's not, you know, you can't do it, you know, 30 minutes. You, you know, you walk in here for 30 minutes, you're not gonna find much. So you just have to, you know, it's a lot of it's luck, but you got to be here to get lucky. like I said, if you're not here, you're not going to get lucky.
0: So Mark says there's a lot of luck involved. Justin, do you agree?
6: Absolutely. Absolutely, because you never know what you can find there. Uh, one day you might, you know, have a, find just a Titans tee. The next day you might find something from Grateful Dead. So um, there's plenty of time and devotion uh, that people have to do. Uh, each and every day just to make a living. Uh, many of these individuals are full-time um, at the Blue bins and that's goodwill, um, and you know, some days they're lucky, some days they're not.
0: So Tammy, do you feel like luck is involved as well?
5: Well, sure, I mean, if you're at a place at the right time when they put something out, but I think there's a lot of skill involved too. Um, only because I've been so fortunate Speaking of the bins, to find so many things that are just right there out in the open with, you know, and and of course, everybody's not looking for the same thing. But knowing your textures, um, hues, you know, fabrics, uh, what reds they didn't use past 1960, whatever, you know, the things that pop out like that to somebody to do. So there's, there's a lot of skill involved, too.
0: I used to wait in front of a Goodwill when they would bring out records on Tuesday. I love to collect vinyl. And I would always wait for those bins so they knew to keep some things aside for me. But, Justin, I want to jump to you real quick. Your shop is located in East Nashville, and it was destroyed by the tornado back in 2020. What did you do to bring your business back?
6: A lot of support from the community, honestly. Uh, of course, during that time, uh, probably about 70% of our inventory was gone from the tornado. Um, so we've, we had a lot of help from the community. Uh, GoFundMe, of course. And uh, luckily we were able to scavenge around and uh, pull some apparel to sell again. Um, but really it just was a lot of help from the community and luckily we found a good place um, to start a- once again. And um, we had, of course, People from the Blue bins sell us product during our downtime. Um, So luckily we were able to build up this new
0: one, and uh, we're very fortunate to have it. Last question I'd like to ask to all of you. It seems like thrifting and vintage is huge here in Nashville. So what does it mean to our city and community? Anita, you go first.
2: It brings people together on uh, the same level, the same level um, where they meet they look forward to the yard sales they look forward to the vintage stores they look forward to the goodwills and it it's uh almost like um in most households that this is a tradition and i don't see it going anywhere i see it increasing i i see that uh there are going to be more consignment stores more thrift thrifty places um Because like right now, there are pond stores, actual pond stores, but this is a whole new twist. There's a whole new market of people that are looking to save, looking for great quality stuff and looking to save and by any means necessary.
0: Justin.
6: It's significant. I mean, Nashville has grown as a whole in the past 10 years. And um, one of the hugest aspects of it is the ventures community. Um, There's so many people who have dedicated their time, especially during COVID, um, to making it their full-time job. So um, I think people are always going to want that one-of-a-kind thing that you can't find like anywhere else. Um, So I continue to see it grow uh, significantly, especially within the Nashville community. So there's great people around, and uh, people are great at doing it. So I think it will just continue to grow.
0: Tammy, close us out.
5: Well, I have to agree with both of them. It's the amazing sense of community, like uh, between resellers, dealers, whatever, in the Nashville area. I've just met some amazing people in the 10 years of doing this. Um, Customers are friends. We've seen their kids grow up. You know, other sellers are, you get that 2 a.m. like text, ah, I'm losing my mind over this or whatever. So great friends and family.
0: That is Tammy Pope. She was joined by Justin Allman, And Anita Smith. I can tell you this, everybody. I can see the smile on Anita's face right now, and I can hear the smiles on the rest of our guests' faces. Thanks to you all for joining us. That was a lot of fun. All right. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Harouche, Rose Gilbert, and Tasha A.F. Limley. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is andrea tudhope the masterminds behind our theme music are lorange and demir blade the conversation doesn't end here tweet us at this is nashville find us on facebook and instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online this is nashville i'm khalil lake we'll see you tomorrow everybody and be good to each other